Uh, Today's sermon is on growth. I want it to be your goal in 2019 that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be looking at a passage in 1 Corinthians 2 and 3 here in a moment, but uh, before we get to that, uh, let me just go back in time. Uh, It is August the 15th, 1997. Uh, Angie and I were uh, called here to Cavanaugh Church, and so we moved to town. Uh, We bought a little house on the south side over here, not too far from the church, 905 Cary Lane. Uh, Whitney, who is here today, was uh, a second grader. Callie was just a brand new little baby, and Zane wasn't even thought of. (laughs) All right? Uh, But I have raised my family at that house, 905 Cary Lane. Uh, We've not moved, haven't even thought about moving. I guess I'll probably die in that house. Uh, It's a great house. We love it. We raised our kids in the house. And in those 21 years, uh, we've done a lot of things. We've repainted the house on the inside numerous times. But there is one area that we have never repainted. It is the same color as it was 21 years ago. And it is the inside door jam of the closet doors in every one of my kids' rooms. Here's one of them right here. This happened to be in Callie's room. I could have taken it from any of those. But there's the the door jam of Callie's closet door. Can you see that? Okay, You know what that is? Okay. You know, it's her growth chart, exactly. Uh, Every year, sometimes every six months, uh, Angie would take the kids into their closet and whoop the fire out of them. No, she would take the kids in the closet and uh, she would mark their height. And so uh, that is Callie's. It's uh, it's all very distinct. Uh, I don't, Whitney, you're back. I don't know why Whitney is on Callie's door, but I think they were doing this little thing. If you can see that top line, it says, Whitney with poof hair. That's the top line. And then a couple inches below it, it says, Whitney without poof hair. So, yeah, it's just different. I guess that's the difference poof hair can make, you know. But here's what I know about all three of those door jams. Uh, Our kids' height is placed on there. And also, they had a mark that they were trying to reach. Right? It, was their, it was their growth mark. That's the, the height that they wanted. I really don't know if any of them ever reached that height. But you know what? That's what we expect. We expect our kids to grow, don't we? And it's cool to be able to chart it and then never paint over it again, all right? Well, the same thing is true for us spiritually. God wants us to grow, to grow. And just as we expect a little baby to grow into adolescence and then a teenager and then become an adult, God is expecting us to mature in our relationship with him and to go from being a baby to being a spiritually adult, mature believer. So that's what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. And it is my goal personally in 2019 to grow in my relationship with Christ. And I would like to suggest that you make the same goal this year is to grow in your relationship with the Lord. So let's see what Paul said about this in 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse number 14, and then we'll read through chapter 3, verse 4. Paul said, but the natural man, and we will discuss here in a moment exactly who the natural man is. He says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. 
So that verse simply means this. As a spiritual man, we have God's spirit inside of us. Therefore, we see things clearly. We can discern things. We understand things the way they are because we have the mind of God. The natural man looks at us and the Bible says he can't even judge us. Why? Because he doesn't have the capacity to judge a spiritual man because he's only looking at things from a human perspective. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, that is believers, spiritual people, we have the mind of Christ. Now he said all that to say this in chapter 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. That is, I could not speak to you as a spiritual man. I had to speak to you as a worldly man, your translation might say, or as a man of the flesh. He goes on to describe them even further. He says, you are babes in Christ. You're babies in Christ. So I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you still are not able. For you are still carnal. That is, you're still worldly. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not being carnal? Are worldly. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take this passage and speak it into our hearts this morning. I pray, dear Lord, that as I try to talk on the outside, that you would speak to our spirits. Help us to become alive in Jesus. Help us to grow in our faith and in our relationship with you. Lord, I pray again that your Holy Spirit have freedom in this room. I pray a fresh anointing on me that I may speak the word of truth clearly. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now before I get into this passage, let me just tell you, the church at Corinth had some major league problems. Um, I, I got to thinking this past week, if that church were here today, they could do a reality TV show on them. <laughs> because there was all kinds of major sagas and dramas going on within that church. And we're going to see today that at the root of all of their problems was a lack of spiritual growth. They were babies in Jesus, and they acted like babies, and they refused to grow up and become mature. Now, stop to think about how many of your own problems, how many of life's problems could be solved or even avoided if we were living from a level of spiritual maturity where we acted and reacted like Jesus Christ in every given situation and with every other person that we deal with. Well, before we get to that, we need to see the big picture. And Paul paints this picture for us beginning in chapter 2, verse number 14. He tells us there are two distinct groups of people living on planet Earth. Now, most of us like to categorize people, don't we? We're born categorizers. We, we do that. We see people and, and we put them in some kind of category, either an athlete or a non-athlete, either, either a geek or, you know. I mean, we just have all these categories. 
God looks down at us and says, there are only two categories of people. And the first category is what he calls here a natural person. Look at verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians talks about the wisdom of God. That is the answer that God has to the question, what makes life work? Have you ever wondered that? What is the key that makes life work? And God's answer to that is summed up in the gospel and in the truth of his word. The problem is that most people never get around to answering that question because of the condition of their own heart and their own life. Because in verse 14, it calls this kind of person a natural man. He is referring essentially to the person who has never received Jesus Christ. This is a lost person, a lost man, or a lost woman. They've never been born again. They've never received the Spirit of God. They are lost in their trespasses and sins. They have no hope in this life or in the life to come. But it tells us more. The phrase natural man refers to a person who is driven by their own mind, their own will, and their own emotions. This is basically the natural equipment that we were all born with. Okay? And they're trying to live life with just what they were born with. Now, the Spirit is the mechanism that we have when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit is the mechanism that gives us the ability to commune with God and have communication with the Lord. To take what is dead and make it alive. Because the natural man is dead to the Spirit of God and to the things that are of God. They have no way of communing with God. That's why it says in verse 14 that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. And it says because they are foolishness to him. And, and, and that is, that's the way it does. If a person is living in their natural state without the Spirit of God being activated in their life, they see things purely from a human perspective that has been tainted with sin. And they think we're crazy. They think we are crazy because we believe that in seven days God created everything that there is. That is foolishness to them. Everything else that we believe in and hold true to, they think is foolish. Why? Because they don't get it. That spirit has not been activated inside of them. They cannot know the things of God because the things of God are only spiritually discerned. The person without Christ is without the spirit and therefore cannot receive signals from God about the way they ought to be living. So all they can do is pick up on the signals from this world. And that only leads to misery and death. And there is no hope. And that is the first category of human beings, the natural man. In church, we would say they're lost people. All right? 
The second group of people are spiritual people. Look at verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, this person is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. When a person is saved, the first thing that happens to them is that God's Spirit moves into that person's life. And they give life to that which was dead before. The natural man, his spirit is dead. But when Jesus moves in, he makes that spirit alive. And now with our spirits alive, we have the ability to connect with God through his Holy Spirit. That's the gift of eternal life. That's the gift of being born again. Now, we as believers have the spirit living inside of us. Even though we may not always be open to the spirit even though we may not always obey the Spirit or be led by the Spirit or filled with the Spirit, we are nonetheless spiritual people. And as a spiritual person, a Christian has the capacity to receive and understand the truth, which is the wisdom of God. And not only that, apply it to life and flesh it out. So you can see here there is a huge difference between the natural man and the spiritual man. And you may think this is all boring, but hang, hang on with me. We're about to switch, switch gears here. God says there's only two groups of people. You're either lost or you're saved. You're a natural man or you're a spiritual man. That's just the way it is. No matter how you categorize people, God looks down and says, lost, saved, lost, saved. That's it. So it begs me at this moment to stop right here and ask you, which are you? Which person are you? You're only one or the other. But you are one or the other. Have you received Jesus? If you haven't received Jesus, you are trying to operate your life without his power and without his direction. Because that life-giving power and that life-giving direction has not been activated inside of you and your spirit is dead. However, if you have received Jesus, you have been born again. And that spirit has been made alive. The spirit of God is living inside of you. And so you do have power and direction to live your life on planet earth and also enjoy eternity in heaven. So there you have it. That's Paul's explanation in chapter 2. Natural man, spiritual man. But he goes on in chapter 3 and he says, when you look at the spiritual man, there are really two types. And don't you love the way I count? This is the way Texans count right here. One, two, one, two, one, two. He says there are two types of spiritual people. Okay, are you with me? There's the natural man, the spiritual man. When you look at the spiritual man, two types of spiritual men. Number one, there are spiritual adults. Verse number one of chapter three. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. Paul says, oh yeah, you Corinthians are spiritual in that you have been saved, 
but I could not really speak to you as a mature believer in Jesus Christ. So one type of believer, spiritual person, is a maturing Christian. This is the person who has the capacity to discern spiritual truth, and they are growing in their understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and in God's Word, and they are fleshing God's Word out in their everyday life. Unfortunately, Paul said, I couldn't address you like that as I should address you as a mature Christian. Why? Why could he not? Because they were the second type of Christian. They were spiritual babies, all right? That's the second kind of Christian or spiritual person. They're saved, but it still doesn't show very much, all right? Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Some translations, instead of using the word carnal, will say worldly are men of flesh, but then they all go on and describe them as babies in Christ. Men of flesh refers to people whose behavior still resembles the world, still dominated by the desires of the sinful human nature. Now here's something you need to note and understand. Actually, this is where every born-again Christian starts. We all start at this point. We all start off as babies in Jesus Christ, immature. We still think like the world because that's what we've been in all of our life. We've been trained to think like the world. And spiritual things are difficult for us to grasp at first because we're just little babies. Now here's the point. It's not a sin to be spiritually immature. Okay, everybody understand that? It is not a sin to be spiritually immature. It is a sin if you remain <laughs> spiritually immature. Now, let's look a little more closely at spiritual babies. Again, that's where we all start, spiritual babies, but it isn't to be the state that we remain in for the rest of our lives. So he talks about spiritual babies in the next couple of verses. And again, understand, this is the root of all the problems the Corinthian church were experiencing. At the root of every single problem, they were acting like babies. Are you with me? Here's the problem. They're spiritual babies. And Paul describes the way they act. And it's just like babies. Number one, spiritual babies talk spiritual baby talk. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. That is, babes in Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, yes, you are spiritual in the sense that you have been saved. But I couldn't speak to you as a spiritual person because you're still acting like babies. And you're communicating with baby talk. Now, isn't it funny that old people, 57-year-old men who try to be, you know, as manly as they can be and are, are proud that they're a man, isn't it funny how when we're around little babies, we change the way we talk? I mean, it really isn't. Isn't it kind of humorous? 
and our our voice inflection changes and and every oh chicka 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 oh yeah Ella Jane aren't you the sweetest little and we just change the way we talk. I, I haven't had babies in my house in years until little Ella Jane has come along and she's here with us today. I think. I, think, I don't know if she's in the room right now. She had to go out. <laughs> she's acting like her mom's out of the family right now. It had to be. No, that mom. That, anyway, forget it. Forget I said that. That's leading me in the wrong direction. So we hadn't had babies until Ella Jane comes along, and I'd forgotten about baby talk. I really had. And, and it's just, it, I was around the house yesterday. I was just laughing because her, her mom, Ella Jane's mama, her daddy, Lolo, Poe, everybody but her Uncle Zane, Talks to her in baby talk. And he says, Ella Jane, you do something in your diaper. <laughs> you know, he doesn't do the baby talk with her, but, but we all do. And, and I just forgot, we, we do baby talk and, because they're talking baby talk back to us. Y'all remember that? Well, I got a video of it if you've forgotten, right? That's what happens when we get old and have grandkids. We show you our video. So here, here, here she is. Listen. Isn't that great? I mean, do you get excited like I get excited? Here's the deal. The last time she was here, she hadn't discovered her voice yet. And she wasn't doing that. But this time when she comes back, she's found her voice. And it's the greatest little thing. And, and you know, here we are baby talking with her. And, and she's baby talking with us. But can you imagine if you've got an 18-year-old kid? Now, you're laughing, but let me tell you, something would be wrong if you're still doing baby talk with your 18-year-old kid and they're baby talking back to you. Something, something has gone awry. They have not matured like they're supposed to mature. Yeah, one thing I've also discovered about little babies is, is they get bored easily. You know? My mom, Aunt Lolo, saying, well, she, she's bored. You're going to have to do something different. I don't want to do anything different. I'm comfortable. Well, you can't be that way because they're bored and, and it's hard to keep their attention for very long. But here's what I do know. As they grow older, their attention span gets greater and you can begin to have adult conversations with them. And, and the same thing should be true spiritually. At first... You have to talk spiritual baby talk to a brand new Christian. Why? Because they don't understand it. But then as their spiritual attention gets greater, you can have more complicated doctrinal discussions with them and talk about deep doctrine and the things of God. Now guys, I realize, I do realize that there is a tremendous amount of boredom that happens in church. I mean, there's nothing bad right now, but I, you know, when, when I was kind of in the doctrinal section of this sermon, I could look out there, and I was losing some of you. I mean, sometimes we just, we sit, and we think, oh, that's just so, it's so boring. It's just so boring. <sighs> I've got to go listen. <sighs> so boring. And, and, and I realize that sometimes we have made it boring. I realize that sometimes those of us as leaders and even pastors, we have made boring what God 
has made exciting. God forgive us for ever making something as exciting as having a life transformation and living under the power of the Holy Spirit and a relationship with the living God. God forgive us for making something He has made exciting into something that is boring. God forgive us of that. And let me tell you, we do our best to keep this from being boring to you. We want you to have a life-changing experience. But you know what? Sometimes i got to sit back and say, to be honest with you, the reason many of you are bored with church is for the same reason children are bored sitting at dinner table with adults who are talking in an adult conversation. You're just not interested in what they're saying. And some of you feel like I've just insulted you in saying that. And I don't mean to be insulting. But what I mean to do is challenge you to grow. Okay? Spiritual babies talk, spiritual baby talk. Paul goes on to say, number two, they eat spiritual baby food. Verse two, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now... You're still not able to receive it. Now, I I do remember and understand babies can only handle a particular kind of diet, and you've got to be careful what you feed them. Little Ella Jane, I think she's eight weeks old today. She's ten weeks old today. My goodness, time flies. (laughs) She's a ten-week-old baby now. But you know what? She can only have milk. We had this conversation last night that that's the only thing Miss Ella Jane can can have right now. Her diet consists 100% of milk. Now, pretty soon, she's going to want some other stuff. And they're, they're going to buy for her that, those, little, those little jars of baby. Russ, remember those little jars of baby food? And I mean, yeah, Angie would send me to the store and I'd have to buy stuff and I'd have to look at every jar because it, it all looks the same to me, whether it's peas or carrots or, 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 or mashed potatoes or chicken or beef or asparagus. I mean, just, just the colors are different because it's all chopped up. Are you with me? It's just, it's just food processed food. I mean, it's been in a process. It's just been ground up because that's all they can eat. Isn't it funny? Just a side note. Isn't it funny? If you live long enough... You go back and eat what you ate as a baby. Isn't, isn't that kind of funny? But, but I love it. I love it being at a restaurant and, and seeing a family over there that has a little toddler in the chair. And, and I love the dad. I love the dad trying to feed the little baby. You know, give mom a break. Get, dads, please, give, your, give mom a break. She needs a break. And so the dad's trying to feed the little baby. And, you know, the little baby doesn't want to eat. So, Craig, what do you, you do the airplane thing. And you stick it in their mouth. And what do they do? They spit it back out at you. Huh? I love that, man. I, lo- I love to watch that. And that is so cute. And we, we look over there and we laugh and we remember. And it's so funny how tragic it would be if you've got a 17-year-old kid. And you're having to feed them like that. And that takes us right back here to the Corinthians. Paul said, when I first started teaching you, I had to give you milk. And again, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's the way you have to start with every new Christian. 
They can only have the milk of the word. But if they grow as they should, they should be able to handle a heavier diet of spiritual truth. They should move from the milk of the word into the meat of the word. But that wasn't the case here at Corinth. Verse 2, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you can't receive it. It's like Paul giving them a double whammy. Back then you couldn't receive. You ought to be able to eat the word now, but you know what? Even now, you can't eat the word. So it causes us to just stop for a second and think about the level of our own spiritual maturity. Your spiritual diet and your appetite. One good gauge for that is to ask you what you're doing with the word of God during the week. In fact, that Bible that you have there in your lap. When was the last time that Bible was opened? And if you say to me, preacher, the last time my Bible was opened was a week ago today, then I'm going to tell you, you need to grow up. You need to start eating the Word of God on your own. Because if it's been a week since you have opened the Word of God and heard the Word of God, you are literally being spoon-fed by your pastor week by week. And you're spiritually malnourished. You need to eat spiritual food, the word of God. And you've got to do that on your own. There's something else about spiritual babies. Number three, they exhibit spiritual baby behavior. They talk like babies, they eat like babies, and they act like babies. Again, we expect babies to act like babies, don't we? That's what they are, babies. If I could take every one of you back to our We Worship right now, you, you would see this in action. I, I love being with little toddlers, little bitty kids, um, when they start to play with toys and interact with other kids. One of the first words they learn is mine, okay? And right now, I guarantee you right now, they, they have excellent care being provided for them. But there's probably been a conflict back in one of our We Worship rooms this morning because somebody is being selfish, And they've got a toy and somebody else wants that toy and they're not going to let that toy go because it's mine. Immature Christians, baby Christians can exhibit the same kind of behavior. Look at verse 3. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not being carnal? Now, he uses a word there to describe them, envy. Envy is the attitude of craving what somebody else has. It's like a little kid, mine. That's mine. Strife and division is the action that is resulting from that attitude. When, when all you do is think it's mine and when you're selfish, you're going to get in conflicts with other people, even in the church, and there is going to be strife and division, whether it's in your home or at work or even here at the church. So you do understand what Paul is saying here. He's saying that the real measure of spiritual maturity is not, get this, it is not how many sermons that you have listened to in your life, or how many Christian books you have read, or how many Bible studies you have gone to, 
or how many times you go into a church during a week. Now, don't get me wrong. All of these things can be part of spiritual maturity, but a spiritually immature person can do all of these other things. No, the real measure of spiritual maturity has to do in the way we treat other people. It has to do with how we get along with other people. Spiritual maturity is happening when the Spirit of God can take the truths of God's Word and like a scalpel do surgery to cut away every selfish aspect of our lives to where we start treating other people the way Jesus would treat them. I remind you, church, it's not wrong to be spiritually immature because that's where we all start. It's wrong to stay that way. Spiritual maturity really has nothing to do with your chronological age either. You could be 15 or 50 or 75, but it doesn't necessarily say anything about your spiritual maturity. <laughs> when I said that in first service, I had a, I had a picture come into my brain. I, re, I remember a couple of ladies I've pastored in previous churches who had been in church for well over 50 years, and they were in their 70s. And let me tell you what, when you talk about spiritual babies, they could have been the poster child. Hmm? Point is this. You really never arrive, but that's the journey. God wants you to be growing. It's called pro pro progressive sanctification. Every day I should be more like Jesus than I was the day before. <laughs> and so I have to take these steps every day. Am I doing that? Let me ask you, is your walk with God and your love for others noticeably different than it was a year ago or five years ago? Here's the exciting thing. God wants you to grow. <laughs> I mean, he really does. And just like my daughter Whitney and her husband Tyler are doing everything they possibly can to allow little baby Ella Jane to grow and mature and become that beautiful woman that God is going to make her into, just like they are providing for her needs, God is providing for us. And God has given you everything you need. To grow up. You've just got to want to do it. You've got to take the steps to do it. So let me end with that. Here's, here's our point of application. Let's decide today that, you know what, my goal in 2019 is to grow, to become more like Jesus and treat people like Jesus would treat them. Here's my goal. I'm going to have to take some action steps because it's not just going to happen. You've got to do something to make it happen. You've got to exercise in that way. I was noticing, Brent, you're doing this, this push-up challenge. I, I, like, do what? A hundred push-ups in a hundred days. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm getting the idea that by the end of a hundred days, you get to where you can do a hundred push-ups. Is that it? No? hundred push-ups per day. For a hundred days. Good cow. Did you hear that? The challenge is to do a hundred push-ups a day. For 100 days. Well, if you're like me, you can't start out doing 100 push-ups. 
So you have to get to that point. And you got to have a plan to get to that point. I'm going, to do, I'm going to do as many as I can today if it's 20. Then tomorrow I'm going to do 25. And then the next day I'm going to do 30. But you reach the point. But you've got to have a plan and a desire to do it. So you need to develop a spiritual growth plan. Let me just throw out a few things that you ought to be working on. Number one, you need to start eating spiritual meat. You need to change your spiritual diet from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. That means you're going to have to open your Bible every day and not just read it, but study it. If you don't own some commentaries, buy a commentary. They're accessible on your phone, on the internet. Get into the Word of God. Study it out for yourself. Understand what God's Word says, but don't just stop there. Flesh it out. That's the ultimate impact of having the Word of God alive in your life. You read it, you understand it, you know it, and then you do it. Number two, be in church. You need to be around other Christians. You need to stop. You got to be with worldly people, yes, with natural people, but you know what? Sometimes you need out of that environment. You need to get with other Christians so that you can think right. And it's great that you're in big church, but you know what? You're not held real accountable in big church. You need to be in a smaller group. Why? So that you can be accountable to other people about your spiritual growth. Number three, to grow in 2019, you need to resolve conflicts in your life. Now, you're not liking this, but you know what? I'm just... I'm actually going to leave town this afternoon. Angie and I are going on a little vacation for a few days. So I'm going to be out of here and I'm going to turn my cell phone off. So I can't take your complaints this afternoon. So I'm just going to say this. Are you with me? You need to resolve conflicts. Here's the, here is the point of Christian maturity. You know that you are spiritually mature when you can respond to other people with the attitude of Jesus Christ. And resolve conflicts with the mind of Christ. You know what? Here's what happens when we don't resolve conflicts with other people. It doesn't matter what the conflict is or with who it is. You're going to get angry and you're going to become bitter. And there will be a root of bitterness that grows in your spirit that is going to impede your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A point of spiritual maturity is, you know what? You get over yourself because it ain't about you. And you resolve conflicts with other people. That's a tough diet right there, but you do it. Suggestion number four, just a real simple one. Grow up. I've been wanting to say that to you for a long time, man. Let's just grow up. Let's just grow up. I've been, I've been a pastor for over 35 years. I've pastored several churches, a lot of people. I, I, can, I can guarantee you every problem I've ever dealt with in a church has to go back with spirit, to spiritual babies. Amen. People acting like spiritual babies. So let's grow up. Lord, help me to do that.